Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast in the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin Quickly. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, Penn State is off. And we talked about the Rose Bowl. But the biggest news this week to come out of Happy Valley was Parker Washington is off to the NFL. And you can think what you want about that move, and we're going to talk about it here to start this show. But Penn State, I think, is going to be okay without him. Yeah, um, excited for him if that's the decision that he's taking. That's the decision he feels he's ready for. Um, I think I put on our Twitter account this week, I said, the only thing I hope for is that he's healthy enough to go through a proper draft prep and get ready for the draft as he should. If I've, I've personally, I feel if, if you can't go through a full draft prep starting probably in January and gear up on those four months leading up to the draft, especially if you have eligibility remaining, like he does, you should probably stay. But if that's the decision that you want to make for yourself, your family, I mean, it's this life-changing money. It's this life-changing He's going to be moving to a new city. There's not an NFL team in state college breaking news. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm going to support him. But like you said, I think Penn State's going to be fine. The roster is heavily wide receiver or uh, it's heavy on the wide receiver department. And then we've talked, we've seen all the rumors about the transfer portal. I'm not going to speculate on who's going to come, who's not, but yeah, I think, um, I think they'll be all right. Yeah. I mean, obviously they lose Tinsley, they lose Washington, which uh, are unfortunate, but you know, that's just kind of the way that it is. And if you're going to leave early, you're doubling down on yourself and your abilities. And Parker Washington throughout his career at Penn State, albeit short, has proven that he is a player on Sundays. You know, he's 5'10", 212, um, you know, had a, had a standout freshman year, uh, was really solid, you know, steady Eddie for the Nittany Lions, uh, even as a number one guy. But you know, you, you hope for the best. You hope that, you know, like you said, that he's healthy. Um, and I think that he he will be. But, man, that the Ohio State game this year was his coming out party and really solidified the fact that, yeah, he's going to be playing on Sundays. And he could find himself going on day, you know, in the first few rounds of the draft too. Yeah, I just – I really wish him the best. Um, obviously, being a selfish Penn State fan, it would be nice to see him come back for another year you know, I think next year's team's gonna we can get into that this offseason, but next next year's team's gonna be phenomenal. Um, but in the NFL, I think he's gonna be that just that go to third down slot guy. Like not not in the slight. Like I don't think he's gonna be a team's like number one deep threat. And that's not what he is, but like that possession guy who's not afraid to go over the middle, like those guys those guys have good careers in the NFL. And I think I think Parker Washington will have a good career in the NFL. So wish him the best. Um yeah. Love to see him go high. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. You know, he's got the ball skills. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. You know, he is, again, just like Jahan Dotson before him and K.J. Hamler before him and Chris Godwin before him. You know, he's got every he's got the intangibles to be a successful receiver. Is he going to be a number one guy? I'm not sure. You know, it's not that he lit up the scoreboard um, at Penn State. Uh, now, you have to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, his first year, 2020, obviously a little bit different as his situation, right? Put up six touchdowns, um, 2021, four touchdowns, 820 yards. And then this year obviously was banged up, 
played in 10 games, 611 yards and two touchdowns. I do truly feel that he probably would have been able to eclipse that thousand yard mark this year. Um, had he been able to stay healthy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, next man up and country Lambert Smith, uh, is going to be a force. Trey Wallace, I think is going to be a, a force as well and should slot into where Parker Washington departs. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just some other housekeeping notes because big news, it's been a week. Um, big 10, all big 10, all, all conference Big Ten teams were announced. Nittany Lions got 10, 10 guys on the uh on the team. Everyone you expect there. Uh Singleton, Scruggs, Olu Fashnu, Britton Strange. Um a lot of a couple guys were selected by coaches, but not by media. And I think I'd if I am a player, I'd much rather be selected by coaches because they know ball. Um uh, not just a, of- I'm glad you brought that point up, Kevin. Um, because being, you know, the media vote is is a fascinating thing, right? Because when you look at it, you have as a media, as a voting member of the media, you've got to be able to watch all fourteen teams play. Now, you benefit from playing with, with a team that you cover when they play, you know, those teams, but they don't play all fourteen or all thirteen other teams. So you've got to you've got to really do your research, and I think that's why a lot of times. You see that the media, you know, the media vote is a lot more of a popularity contest than, say, you know, the the coaches vote. You know, the coaches, they watch these guys on film day in and day out as they prepare. And they see that on that film, you know, because, again, they don't play every every other team, but they do see the see them as flies on the wall um, in other situations, too. So, you know, I think the coaches is a better representation of really, you know, what they think of these players um, and where the players rank across the conference. Yeah, and the three guys who were media or were coaches and not media were Juice Scruggs, which we can argue is an NFL caliber center. Brenton Strange as an NFL caliber tight end. I'm not sure why he was third team. Um, And Adisa Isaac, that's somebody who, it's his fourth year in the program. He played twelve games. He was kind of hurt. Was he? Yeah, he played all. He played twelve games. Um, he wasn't hurt. Uh, but that's a guy that the media like. That's not a flashy name. The media is not going to catch that. So that's definitely one the coaches are going to know. Uh, and then a couple All Americans: Olu again, Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King, all second team. Um, Nick Singleton and Abdul Carter got freshman All American status, and Chris Stoll won the Patrick Manelli Award for the nation's best long snapper. And I can imagine for your career as a long snapper, um, if you win the top long snapper award, it's got to be good for you going to the next level because that's not a position. There's what, a hundred guys on this planet who can evaluate how good a long snapper is. And if you win the nation's top long snapper award, it probably helps you out going forward. No yeah, disrespect I mean, I, to long snappers. I, no, I just have no ability to evaluate the position. No, that's it's a it's one of the most unsung positions ever. But let's be real, that's the Heisman of long snappers. So when we come back for the second segment, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the Heisman and really Penn State's odds of having a couple Heisman hopefuls for next season. When we come back on the Nittany Sports Now Network.
Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, at this time last year, I was in New York City for the Heisen Ceremony watching Kenny Pickett um, as a finalist. I had gone to the Army-Navy game. We'll get to that here later in the show. Um, and then made the trek from East Rutherford, New Jersey to downtown um, Manhattan for the Heisman ceremony. And it was really, really cool. I, you know, it was a really neat experience. There's nothing quite like the rush of checking into a hotel, riding a subway into midtown Manhattan and, you know, making it to the Heisman ceremony. Um, But, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Caleb Williams won it well-deserving. I thought he was the far more impressive player. Uh, And then I also thought that Max Dugan, um, was right up there as well. So, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, Penn State hasn't had a guy since Saquon, and um, and Saquon, I, I thought was kind of like, eh, he probably he could have, I thought, but at the same time, it it goes, you know, really Penn State over the course of time when John Capaletti, you think about all of the names at Penn State, and John Capaletti is the guy. Who, who won Penn State's lone Heisman. It, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, Caleb Williams was the best player of the year. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm, I think your hate for Notre Dame is matched by my hate of USC. I can't stand the Trojans. I just can't. Um, I'd like to see the Heisman go back to not being the best quarterback in the nation vote. And, you know, there's it goes back could, to the it goes back to those lazy picks. It is. It's it's 100% media voted. It's lazy. A lot of those guys just they don't even watch college football. They're just on the New York Times or they're Wilkesbury Scranton. I don't even know what's the newspaper up there. You know, they're just randomly scattered throughout the country. They don't care about no, anything. They're like, I would love oh, to I'm have a Heisman vote. voter. Yes, I would love to have a vote. 100% someday would hope to have one, but. Again, you've got to you, and it's tough, right? As a as a as a collegiate football, as a college football beat writer, you're focused on one team, right? You're focused on let's say let's use Penn State as an example. You have that you so those games if they're at three o'clock or four o'clock, you're not able to really watch the later games because you're busy writing, right? So you might be able to catch a half or two. So you miss out on Pac-12 after dark more often than not. Um, you miss out on those late primetime games. YouTube, so, but so, there's but, YouTube. But you've got to, yeah, right. So you've got to do your research. And listen, this year, I thought, you know, could have been, uh, could have been different as far as you know who who got, you know, sent to New York as a finalist. I think Caleb Williams is hands down the best player in the country this year. He played. Lights out football had USC on the doorstep of the playoff before Utah really thwarted them twice. Um, but there's much more to meet the eye than the quarterback and the quarterback in these offenses. It's not always a perfect mix, right? As far as, okay, well, this guy threw for 6,000 yards, but this offense really allows him to. And what kind of defenses are is he playing? Yeah, and I mean, just a name that didn't even surface in the Heisen because he kind of got overshadowed by his quarterback, but somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm. 12 touchdowns in 12 games, nearly 1,200 yards. He didn't even win the Bolitnikoff, which is crazy. Yeah, right? like it's just so. But 
yeah, Penn State's candidates. I think Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have what it takes to potentially win the Heisman. I think the problem is is that it's a very crowded backfield. So it's going to be like an is you'll you'll like this reference. It's going to be like an Ezekiel Elliott Tony Pollard situation. Like you got two guys in the backfield. I'm not a big Zeke fan, so I'm not going to disparage him or anything. But you know, you're going to have somebody that's going to rise probably to the top of those two. It's going to be a one A one B type deal. Um, I think that's what's going to hurt him there. And then there's almost too many stars in the backfield, quarterback and two running backs. It's, it's going to be crowded for Penn State's chances. I don't think next year will be the year. I think it takes two years to win the Heisman. You know what I mean? Like Caleb yeah. Williams had the year in Oklahoma. You kind of got to have to, if you don't make prominent, like you have to have that one year where like everyone's like, oh yeah, this, this guy, he's because there is 130 teams and there's a hundred players on 130 teams. Like, how do you evaluate that? But um, yeah, I, I think Penn state in the next two years has a legitimate three people who could win it. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I think they have up to four. And my fourth is Abdul Carter, just because the kid can play lights out football. I know that it's very hard for a defensive player to win. Um, but again, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, Drew Aller, Abdul Carter, Katron Allen, and Nick Singleton are, are, the, are the next best options for Penn State. But it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that plays out. Um, because you're right, it is going to be a, a, a divided backfield as far as carries go. But but yeah, you know, you have to have that coming out party uh, in year one or year two and then see where they're at. But, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see. And and you can go down the list of Penn State greats since Capuletti, right? You've you've had Kerry Collins. You've had Kyle Brady. You've had Kajana Carter. You've had LeVar Arrington. You've had Derek Williams. Um, Larry Johnson was the closest, right? Then you had Saquon and Chris Godwin and and guys like that that all are great and legends in their own mind. But the Heisman really wasn't ever in a lot of those conversations the way that it has been for for some other people. Now that a lot of that's by design and by position, and and it's tough when you're not, you know, when you're not a quarterback and not necessarily. A wide receiver either running backs are I think a hard position to evaluate even though you know I, I think those are just one of those deals but it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes uh, because I think they all have a legitimate shot within the next two to three years it just also depends on how long they're there you know Parker Washington's there for three years how long are Singleton and Katron Allen going to be there how long is Drew Aller going to be there how long will Abdul Carter stick around so those are all kinds of things that you have to kind of play into this factor. And, and it'll be interesting to see, see how it goes. Yeah. I think Abdul Carter, I mean, just think of how much, how dominant of a season Julius Pepper had and just how dominant of a defensive player he was. And like, just, I don't know. Was he even a finalist that year? I can't remember, but uh, do you think James Franklin will let Abdul Carter or Drew Aller put F Scott Fitzgerald and then their opponent on the other hand, do you think they'll let him, paint that on his fingernails uh, i no mean that's chance. that's the ultimate class move is saying you know f scott fitzgerald notre dame i mean i know you're all for that but i i, I see i don't like that i don't like that on the field i think I, i'm not a fan of that yeah but hey again 
he backed it up except for against Utah uh, twice. But <laughs> hey, that's the way that it goes. Kids are going to be kids now. And I think we kind of forget that these people are human and they have actual emotions and feelings too. Um, but in this next segment, we're going to talk about a game that brings out probably the best type of emotions and feelings um, when when these two teams take on uh, on the football field when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nippon Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin, I'm Jared. I went into the break saying about a matchup on the football field that brings out the best types of emotions and feelings. And that to me is the army Navy game. There is nothing in the world better or a place that you'll see where the people on the field are willing to, to die for the people that are watching. And it is the, I think, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough in my life to see a Penn state, Ohio state game. Penn State, Michigan, and, you know, legit rivalries like Duke and Carolina, Robert Morris and St. Francis, you know, it's real rivalries, burner. right? Absolutely. And, but there's nothing that compares to the Army-Navy game. Last year, I was fortunate enough to to go. It's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, the game was played in East Rutherford, and it's usually played in Philadelphia, uh, at Lincoln Financial Field, which is the only way that you'll ever see me actually at a football game in Philadelphia, this would be it would be the Army Navy game. Um, I would not make it out of the stadium um, intact if I wore cowboy stuff um, as a Cowboys fan myself. But you know, I've never, I'm never, I don't feel unsafe at games ever. But I knew that at this game, I was pretty damn well protected. Um, it's got mutual respect for one another, right? Duke and Carolina hate each other. Um, Penn State's unrivaled, so they technically really don't have rivals. But, you know, the the Ohio State University takes an entire letter out of the alphabet for a week. So, you know, those rivalries mean something to that fan base. But this rivalry, this means something to the entire country. And that is what makes it cool for me. And their and their love of hitting the under every year. Yeah, I I love the game. A uh, little bit of a busy day yesterday for me recording this on Sunday, so uh, a little bit of a busy day for me. I didn't get the chance to watch it, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's people chiming in every year if you scroll on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's go Army beat Navy, go Navy beat Army. Uh, a lot of my family served in the Marine Corps, so I I am in fact a Navy Navy person myself. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's classic football. It's there's never a passing attack. It's just three yards in a cloud of dust, and it's the epitome of it. And there's bragging rights for a year, and uh, the winning team gets to sing their alma mater and makes the other team sit on the field for it. So it's just a game full of tradition. Um, I do like that this was the last year for the game in Philadelphia, not for reasons that you said, but. Um, they, I mean, they chose Philadelphia. It's halfway between, or mostly halfway between Annapolis and West Point. Um, but it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a game that the nation cares about. It's a game that 
literally every player on that field is going to serve this country. That game needs to be on the road. And I, I kind of like that they're, that's kind of the approach that they're going to take here soon, you know, hit the big cities, you know, let's San Diego stadium is probably not the best place to play army Navy game, but take it to San Diego. There's a big Navy presence there. Bring it down to Texas. You know, you got Fort hood and whatnot all down in Texas. So I'd like to, I like where they're going with that and that taking it out of Philadelphia, nothing against the state of city of Philadelphia. I know you're not a fan of them, but um yeah, I, I like that they're going to be going around the country with that. I think I think that is a game. If you put it in Philadelphia, it makes it hard for a significant portion of the country to not be able to come and see it as easily as if it was in Seattle or in Texas and in the Midwest, put it in Iowa or put it down in Florida or something. So I, I like where they're going with that one. Yeah, and what I love about it is it, it's they're going to places along the East Coast, which is nice. You know, you're – to me, the pomp and circumstance surrounding the game is just absolutely um, incredible. Uh, next year, they're in Foxborough, uh, which I think will be really, really neat, actually. Um, and it coincides with the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, um, which is, I think, <laughs> really neat um, to tie that in. And I really hope that, you know, in 2041, I know that's a long time away, um, that they play this game in Hawaii um, because it would be perfect timing um, for, for, for Harbor. Um, but then they go to, in 2024, they go to uh, FedEx field and, and Landover, Maryland. If the, don't, don't award that team. I know it's set, but yeah, oh, come on. just bring it to Beaver stadium. Let's be real. Just, just um, get it out of, don't take it to FedEx. Field. Then they we go to Dallas, Chicago, Charlotte, Orlando, uh, and places like that. But, I'm I'm very excited to see that. I love this game. I'm gonna do everything I can to try to get to this game as much as I can, um, just because it's such a cool experience. Like if you ever have a chance to go to a football game, that is it. Um, and I'll tell you one thing too to segue into what we're gonna talk about next before we wrap it up. You don't see any of these guys in the transfer portal. <laughs> like these guys are there for their team and their country, and I and I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, I couldn't say it better myself. And you alluded to it, the fiasco that is the transfer portal. Much like anything the NCAA touches, it usually goes to crap um, because they don't regulate it, right? NIL, they haven't regulated that, and it has been a disaster. Um, But the transfer portal started that. You know, it used to be you could transfer if you were a graduate student and have one year of eligibility. Well, now you just see everybody transferring and there are thousands of players in the portal and it is a blessing and a curse because I think, you know, if I'm at Penn state and my, and my coach leaves, okay. Are you committing to the university, which is how it should be, not how it is, but how it should be. Um, then yeah. Do you have a chance to go and, and you can bring back, you know, the, the excuse that is, oh, well, they're allowed, the coaches are allowed to leave whenever they want. And, yeah, that is the nature of their beast. But they're there to coach. These kids are there to be students. And there is no right or wrong answer. But the lack of regulation and the lack of, you know, really just a ability to give a shit about the transfer portal by the NCAA is what what irks me the most about it. Yeah, I... 
and I, the argument with the coach, like coaches leaving, I get if the coach gets fired, but like it goes back to what we talked about a little bit with Coach Prime. You made a lot of promises to these players, and you know, did you even have the discussion with them, like, hey guys, like I'm leaving. You know, this is a better opportunity for my family, and this this is what I want to do. I know I told you guys, but sorry, as things change. But a lot of these coaches were like doing a Baltimore Colts leaving Indianapolis kind of thing. Like their names swirling in the media for weeks on end. We had that with Franklin a couple of years. Like their media, their names just swirling in there, and all of a sudden, boom, gone. Um, I never liked that aspect of the coaching world. I mean, I get they're building a career, and college kids are doing the same thing when they're playing football. But yeah, this transfer portal, man. I think what Caden Slovis is on his. Third transfer or whatever, second transfer. He's transferring a back-to-back years. Went to Pitt for a year, and the worst trade is uh, Caden Slovin, Fl- Slovis for Jordan Addison. Uh, <laughs> Poor Pitt. Pitt got the bad end of that deal, and I, I can't say I'm sad about it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. Um, the good news, well, and is- then you look at a guy like JT Daniels, right? He starts out at Georgia or USC, then goes to Georgia. Then and it's past both places, and then ends up at, or I might have those backwards, and then he's ends up at West Virginia, College. and now no. he's he's out. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's really weird. But then you have guys like Chop Robinson, who leave Maryland. Guys like him, Arnold Abiquetti, you know, leave programs and come to Penn State, and they thrive. So it's, you know, it, it, it's a double edged sword. Um, for both good and bad reasons. It's just, I hate it because um, you have to re-recruit everybody now. Like, you, you look at the graphics and the P, and the players that are on, that have entered the portal, and then you look at guy, teams like Georgia where they're zero or Penn State where they're just a handful. And the, of those, they're not big-name players um, to an extent. So it's what are these coaches telling these kids when they get to campus? Um, are they being truthful? Are these guys realizing that maybe this isn't for me? Um, or are they realizing, oh, this is, well, I'm not going to play. So I might as well transfer. It, it's just, I think it should be one and done unless there's an extenuating circumstance. But again, I don't quite know how to regulate for the, for the NCAA when they don't know how to do it either. Yeah, NCAA, we can go on a wormhole on that. Um, I was listening to Josh Pate. He made a good point. Um, I just found his podcast and I was like, hey, listen to this. So he, he made a point about this. Uh, he was talking about, he's like, yeah, college programs are literally going to have to hire college scouting programs. Like you have, you have a football, you yeah. have a high school recruiting. And it's like, this is create. I mean, it's perhaps the NCAA job creation, but like you're creating five, 10, 15 more jobs for these top programs that now they're having to pay all these extra assistants to literally go to other games around the country or watch sit home and get uh, like an octo box for ESPN and Fox and NBC college football games and plaster them all over there, like a little war room. And it's just like, uh, yeah, we like that kid. Let's probably uh, put a little seed out there to get him feeding in. Uh, Props to James Franklin though. We Penn State only lost five people in the transfer portal this week. Uh, let's see. Four of them had game experience. Uh, Malik McNeil did not have any game experience and he mysteriously vanished from the roster about November. Um, famously didn't make or made the travel roster, but then didn't travel. 
I kind of say famously, but uh, that circulated Twitter when it happened. Um, Christian Vieu, the writing was on the wall for him. And this is, yeah, right. I, I think this is where the transfer portal is really going to get people. Like, you can sign five or six D linemen a class. You can five, sign three or four safeties a class. You can sign three or four wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, what have you. Transfer portal is really going to test quarterback depth in college programs. Because yeah. Christian Veyu, great college backup, and probably can be a decent starter elsewhere. He had that three-touchdown game against Rutgers last year. But Penn State's left with what? Bo Pribula behind? Or mm-hmm. Bo Pribula behind Drew Aller? And then they got potentially a couple people in. I'm not going to comment on potential commitments until they're signed. But yeah, man, I think that's where it's really going to test depth is how many of these people can pull in like a freshman five-star and then have like a five-star that's sitting there starting or a really high-rated four-star? Because if not, like you you need two or three. And look at TCU. Max Duggan wasn't the starter this year. Incep has a Heisman finalist. And now the guy who won the job, what was his name? Uh, Chandler Morris. He's sitting there. Think if he had transferred if like Max Duggan had like another year of eligibility. Right. Like TCU had an embarrassment of rich. What if Max Duggan transferred as soon as the season, as soon as he found out or like put his name in the, I know you can't put your name in the portal, but like put intention to transfer and then left the team and walked out after he lost his starting job, sat out this season, puts his name in the portal. And then somebody has a Heisman caliber quarterback next year and TCU missed out. And then they're not in the playoff. It's yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the transfer portal is one and done unless you have special exceptions. And then you also get your grad transfer, but I think you shouldn't get your grad transfer. Like you have one transfer through the entire period of your college. If you make a bad choice the first time, or you make a choice that's not quite right for you or your coach leaves, what have you. I mean, I'm all for player movement. I just Mm -hmm. don't like having to recruit my 85 scholarship guys minus the seniors graduating every year, plus getting on the recruiting trail for high schoolers. I think it's just, not a good recipe for success. I think the NCAA is, like many things, missed the boat on that one. Yeah, and that's what's tough about it, right? You can't re- you can't really regulate it. It's tough, and you know, players go where players want to go, and you know, you have this extra year of COVID too, which has kind of thrown rosters for a loop because you got seven at a time, seven year guys um, or six year guys, and you don't ever really have that, and that's. You know, that that's something that you have to be cognizant of, too. You know, are these guys, hey, listen, you're not really going to have a future here. As bad as that is to say, we think we should part ways. And it's just tough to deal with and tough to kind of regulate, um, much like much like the NIL stuff, you know, and the PIAA just I, I, I chuckle because they allow they're allowing um, all of that now. So. I have no idea what to expect from the PIAA when it comes to NIL. Like how, how is that going to, to work? How, what is the value of a high school athlete? Hey, if you're out to get that sheets, get that sheets bag after they sponsor the podcast. Okay. I'm dealing with that. I, I, I'm heavy on the Wawa now. My wife's from Philly. So Stop. Sh- sheets, if you're listening, man, you got to scoop in Mr. Yeah. St- Mr. Steve sheets. Uh, that's a shout out. 
or Joe. Joe follows me on Twitter and Instagram. Much much appreciate the love. But yeah, any sponsors that are listening, any potential, we are always open to plugging. Shameless. Um, and, you know, because we think we're doing the right thing uh, as we grow this podcast and make it, you know, one of the more popular Penn State podcasts around. But yeah, and I think if you use it the right way, the way that I would use it, if I if I were a local business and whatever, is a is a is a player that is struggling, and his family might be struggling. Hey, listen, you if you promote our business, you get a free meal. Your family eats for free. Something like that, I think, um, would work well. But I I just don't know the monetary value of a high school athlete. Yeah, it's really extreme extreme circumstances such as like an arch manning the guy has been you know probably been on recruiting trail since or like recruiting radar since he was nine um the best nil though was decoldus crawford from nebraska this year he's in the portal he is he in the portal i yes. have to i have to i have to mention nebraska every show just because but uh decoldus crawford had an hvac uh hvac nil deal this year and he was like they offered Dakota's AC in Nebraska. And I was, that's like, that is the epitome of NIL. Like, that's what I want. I want you to go down to the BMW dealership and sign autographs all day long. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you a BMW to whip around town. Like, I am all for that. I want to be able to buy Drew Allard's jersey next year or a Nick Singleton and K-Tron Allen, like Fat Man and Fast Man t-shirt. Like, I just want to rep all that stuff. And those guys go get the money. The problem is oh, the NCAA, NCAA is just has, for lack of a better term, shit the bet on that one. It's, yeah, and I think I think every player should have been able to make their money off their own likeness. I I mean, I would love to make money off of my name. Um, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a blue check mark on Twitter and I didn't have to buy it, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a unique situation because in in college, well, you like I will tune in like. It, if I'm a fan, I would tune in to watch Nick Singleton and Katron Allen play. Well, there aren't places to tune in for high school sports. Now I coach high school girls basketball. I've coached high school football and high school baseball too. And it's, you know, if it's a five-star recruit or a four-star recruit, I get it. Um, you know, Rodney Gallagher, of WVU commit has already signed uh, an NIL deal with, um, with a local, with a local place, but it, it's just, you know, you have to use it the right way and you hope that it doesn't get abused because you could very easily somewhere that's shady as hell, you know, comes in. USC. Hey, yeah, yeah, right. So USC sorry. can come in sorry, sorry. <laughs> and say, hey, listen, you know, maybe Kevin, um, we really want you to come here. We'll set you up with an NIL deal while you're in high school. And, you know, what are the regulations for that? And I know that it says you can't use it to recruit. The same thing with the high schools. You can't use it to recruit. But we, let's be real. We all know that that recruiting happens. We all know that it's real. It's just how long is it going to start? Players, so. players are getting paid long before NIL. And that was part of the recruiting metrics uh, or the recruiting pitch. There's no way that NIL is not being used. for. The NCAA is naive for saying that. Yeah, right. And the same thing <laughs> with PIAA. Like, let's be real. Like, Okay. Come here and you'll get two free Big Macs. Well, maybe make it three and I'm there. But that's the that's the nature of the game. Um, I always my my idea was that they always they should get paid for NCAA football. If your name was 
used in it more. Like, let's be real. Reggie Bush in that game was sick. Michael Vick was incredible, too. But, you know, put it in a savings account. Um, let the let there be interest. And they get it once they graduate or fulfill their academic or athletic um, ramifications. And then now they have a nest egg to start after college. That was always my idea. Um, clearly, they didn't listen to me. But here we are. That's why we have a podcast, and they and Caleb Williams makes like six million dollars a year. Yeah, and JSN made one point seven million to play what four games this year for Ohio State, and then isn't even playing in the playoff. Yeah, and I at mean, least the good news is for him that he has to recover from an injury. It's a hit. but yes, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk bad about an injured player, but he missed how many Listen, games? Yeah. On hamstring? I, hamstrings linger, but. Yeah. Stay off that thing. And you have four weeks to prepare for the college football playoff and we're opting out. Sorry. I'm sorry. NIL. NIL. One point seven hey, million it, to play. But that, that's the thing though, right? You know, you have a player that's hurt, can't play. How now how long until we get bull tie ins for NILs? You know, every player gets ten thousand dollars for playing in the Rose Bowl or something. MVP of the MVP of the game wins twenty five thousand bucks. Who says no? I'm cool with that. The bowl game is going to put that is going to put that money out there. So you know there there are ways to circumvent the system. I'm sure they will make sure that 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 the system is circumvented, and you'll have to come up with more regulations. But until then, it's a free for all. It's indeed a free for all. But what isn't a free for all is this show is coming to an end. Um, Here we will let you get back to your everyday regular programming. So for Kevin, quickly, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We'll catch you again next week where we preview the best season of all, Christmas 